everybody. Won't you lift your voice, your hands, clap them mightily to the Lord. Let us shout of praise, victory. I believe God's worthy. Does anybody believe He's worthy? Praise God. Well, it's good to be here, and I appreciate um, the opportunity to preach. I don't have to preach to be here. Um, I love Brother and Sister Uzzle. And uh, like he said, we don't, we've not known each other too long. And um, I feel like that I've been cheated all my life, to tell you the truth. And um, I kind of feel like I've been hid behind a curtain somewhere. And a lot of good men that I've known got to meet in the last few years. Uh, I wish I would have known them all my life. And um, but I'm glad I know them now, and I'm glad I'm connected now with them, and and they're connected with me, brother and sister. Those are some of the greatest people, hardworking people, visionaries. And uh, you could tell a lot about his man, about a man, by the passion that he has. The, I read somewhere the other day where a man made a statement: "The spirit of a man is the man." The spirit of the man is the man. And if that be the case, which I believe it is, brother and sister Uzzle are great people in the kingdom of God. I give honor to their family tonight, their sons, daughter-in-laws, grandchildren. If I had a pastor like that, I'd take him up a $5,000 offering. Do I have a witness out there? <laughs> but I appreciate them so very much. All the ministering brethren here, God bless you. Brother Godair, love you. All you great, great men of God, Brother Riley and Brother Robinson and Brother Mills, God bless you. And I hope I didn't miss anybody, but but all of you, God bless you. And uh, I didn't come to be fancy. I didn't come to, I just come to just to give you what I feel like the Holy Ghost has given to me. And Brother Zach Wells, man, if you did not hear that, you need to get that CD. Because that is a very, very great word of God. And I appreciate that so much. I, I love, I love listening to some of these younger men preach. I'm 53 years old. And I don't think I've ever had as much joy as I've had in the last few years listening to younger men preach. And man, they're not, they're not just preachers. They are just preachers of preachers. And, uh, I'm excited about this next generation, but my generation ain't done yet. I'm not dead yet. So until I die, I'm going to kick a little bit, but God is good. Give honor to the people of my church, the church that God allows me to pastor and, um, love them. Pray that God would bless them. My wife is not here and she dreads it. But her mom and dad are almost 80 years old. And if they go anywhere, somebody's going to have to take them. Brother Puckett gets in a car and he falls asleep before he gets to that back wall. And um, so she's got them. They wanted to go to a family reunion in Louisiana. And then he decided he wanted to stay a week and... Then they decide they're going to go to Brother Holmes' camp meeting. And so I'm going to have to catch a plane and go see her Monday if I'm ever going to see my wife again. But, uh, but that's just the way it is. But her heart is here. If you would turn with me tonight to the book of Mark. I don't feel no pressure. I don't, I don't feel no pressure to have to perform. And if I ever do feel that, I kind of get it out of the way real quick. Because if I have to be a performer, we're in a lot of trouble. But I believe God has a word. The last spirit that Israel fought before they went into the promised land. They fought a king by the name of Og. Of Bashan. The Bible didn't say that. That he had a big army or he had chariots of iron or horses and great steeds. 
All it said of Og was he had a big bed. The last spirit we're going to fight is the spirit of laziness. Now I know I'm preaching to a go get them church. I know that. I have no clue why God put this in my spirit. But I'm going to preach it by the help of God. I want you to go to Mark chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that they, there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And everybody said, he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of a palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, unto the sick of the palsy rather, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Sometimes we get our priorities mixed up. Sometimes people seek healing of the body before they seek the salvation of the soul. And Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning. Everybody say reasoning. In their hearts, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned, Within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed. And go thy way into thine house. And everybody said immediately. He arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed. And glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. I want to preach to you tonight on, on this subject. The reward of great effort. The reward of great effort. Won't you put your Bibles down. Let's lift up our hands and our voices. Let's give God some heartfelt praise. Don't you reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor and let's pray for one another right now. We're not in no hurry. This is the main thing right here. We bless you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name, Jesus. There is no God like you. You are God all by yourself. There's no Savior besides you. You are the Savior of the world. We bless you, Lord God. We bless your name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Jesus had came back to Capernaum, which was his home base. He considered it his headquarters, if you please, in his earthly ministry. The last three years of his life, he considered that his home base. When Jesus came back to Capernaum, he spoke uh, at the synagogue on the appointed days and at the appointed times. And uh, he fulfilled that and took advantage of that. But Jesus wasn't like normal religion he was 
He was the Savior of the world. He was God incarnate. And uh, he took his ministry another step. He did not just allow his ministry to be kept in a church or in a synagogue. or He didn't just try to minister to people that were in a sanctuary. But Jesus would go and take his ministry to an improper places. And at improper times, he would take his ministry. He was not wrapped up in a cord with the right procedures of religion. He was out of the box. He was, he was something everybody in the religious world would say, man, that's a little weird there. That's a little out of the box. Uh, we're not used to that. And Jesus promoted that kind of ministry. He did not just uh, tell us to go to the synagogue, but He said, I'm going to take church to people. I'm going to go to the streets. I'm going to go to the highways, the byways. And uh, miracles, many miracles took place outside of the walls of the synagogue. I mean, that's where, that's where real revival is, outside the walls of the church. And I realize in this last day, and I am very respectful of all men and all elders and, and, and all people. But I want you to know, if we just focus on preaching to our people and sustaining and maintaining, we are robbing this generation of some of the most precious things that could ever come to their world. It's not enough that we maintain. My experience of maintenance simply is this. That if you try to maintain, you're usually going to lose what you try to maintain. But I've learned that we maintain by reaching out to new people. Jesus preached at improper places and improper times. He went into the house when the synagogues were shut down. He went into this house in Capernaum. And there he began to preach the word of the Lord to them. Last Wednesday, I was going to teach a Bible study I've been trying to teach for two weeks. And when I went into the church, uh, God spoke to me a, a word, just voice, voice. And uh, I went on and prepared my Bible study. And, and when I got to church and I looked out over the congregation, about ten visitors were there. And I thought, man, I'm not teaching this Bible study. I'm going to preach to them. So I just took that word where John said, I'm a voice. Crying in the wilderness. John had a twofold message in his voice. Mind you, he didn't have noise coming out of his mouth. He didn't preach something that had no significance. He preached a message. He preached a message of a coming Messiah. One that's going to open up blinded eyes and unloose fettered arms. And he also preached on get ready for him. You can't just preach about his coming if you're not going to preach about the preparation of his coming. If Jesus is going to come into this church, I'm going to repent of everything in my spirit because when healing comes by, I want to be healed. When deliverance comes by, I want to be delivered. When joy comes by, I want joy unspeakable. I will prepare the coming of the Lord. He wasn't noise. He was a voice. Jesus said when you have a voice in the church, when there's a word coming forth, man, people will attract to that word. They'll fill the house. Worldly people, people in the world, they don't want to be lied to. They've been deceived. They may fight you tooth and toenail until they start seeing truth. But that don't mean you quit fighting. They may question everything you preach. But that don't mean you quit preaching. You just keep spreading light. And light gets brighter like Brother Goddard said. Brighter and brighter and brighter. Revelation after revelation. I'm telling you, you don't quit doing what's right. Because somebody don't agree with you. You just keep doing what's right. Sometimes we look for excuses not to have to do. Well, somebody shut a door in my face. Or man, my Bible study didn't show up again. One of my ladies came to me the other day. I said, how's your Bible study going? Well, she didn't show up again, Brother Tiller. 
I don't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go back to her house next week. You're going to knock on her door. You're going to have that chart in your hand. And you're going to try to teach her a Bible study. And if she don't open the door, I'll tell you what you're going to do the next week. You're going to go back to that door. You don't quit because somebody has put a stop sign in your way. The Bible said he preached the word. The Bible said in Isaiah 32 and 20, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters. That word beside means upon all waters. Cast thy bread, Ecclesiastes 11 and 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. There was an impression, an ideal here with these scriptures. That when they would harvest their crops, it was a rainy season. And the rivers would come out of the banks and they would flood the fields after a harvest. And the farmer didn't wait till the water got depleted or abated before he sowed seed. He got his bag, he went out and he sowed on the waters. He just spread seed on the waters that had flooded his harvest field. But he knew that when he would sow, that when those waters would abate, those seed would go to places that he could never sow or would never sow if it wasn't for the flood. Can I tell you our world is flooded with sin and it ain't time to quit sowing seed. It's time to sow seed on flooded waters and it's going to grow in places we never thought we would have revival. We'll have revival in the black community. We'll have revival in the Hispanic community. We'll have revival in places we would not imagine. We've got heroin coming out our ears. 15 ODs in Carrollton in the month of January alone. They've got a new drug out now. If they can get to them, if after they've OD'd, if they can get to them uh, soon enough, they can shoot this drug in them. And it revives them and saves their life. But the other day, a young lady, 20 years old, her name was Shay. They asked me to preach her funeral. She had OD'd on heroin. And man, when I got to preach that funeral, I looked out over a congregation of 150 young people or better. And I thought to myself, they're flooded with drug addiction. They're flooded with immorality. They're flooded with perversion. They're flooded with bitterness. They're flooded with hate. They've been molested. And I thought to myself, what in the world am I going to preach? And the Holy Ghost said, just preach the word. Just preach the word. Sow the seed on flooded waters. I wish we'd lift our hands right now. I wish somebody would pray and shout, Seek God. Flooded waters. There is not a wrong place to preach the Word. There is not a wrong time to preach the Word. A woman comes to the well. She's had seven men she has been married to. And she's living with the man right now. Six and living with the seven. And Jesus meets her at the well. At noonday, women came in the morning. What is she doing there by herself at noonday? People didn't want to be seen with her. Women didn't want to be associated with her. Let her go by herself. I'm not going with her. But she went to the well and Jesus set up an encounter. Man, I'm glad for divine setups. I'm I'm glad for divine setups. I'm telling you, God, we'll put the worst of the worst at the right time and at the right place. Maybe not 
place in the eyes of people, but the right place for a divine encounter with God. Somebody said last night, there's one person in your city. If you can reach them, may God will give you great revival. Divine encounters. They may be the drug addict. They may be the drug dealer. It don't matter. Sow the seed. Jesus said, I give you water. You can drink, you'll never thirst again. You know what he's really preaching to us? Anybody, anywhere, anytime. Anybody. If all we want's a white church, the man, I'm not so sure we can be saved. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. I started a bus ministry a few years ago in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. And man, I had some rowdy kids on that bus. And somebody said, Pastor, man, what are we going to do with these kids? I said, we're going to preach to them. And we're going to teach them. And we're going to love them. And when it was all said and done... Man, they were coming to the altar praying through the Holy Ghost. Man, they didn't look like everybody else. They had runny noses. They were dirty. They smelled bad. They were hungry. But man, when we fed them and we helped them and we prayed with them, I'm telling you, God gave us a harvest among children. We're not wasting our money and we're not wasting our effort for it's anybody, anywhere, anytime. That's got to get in our spirit. That's got to get in our mind. That's got to get in the way we live and the way we talk and the way we worship God. Anybody, anywhere, anytime, a woman of Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus. My daughter's vexed with the devil. Jesus turned away from her, ignored her. She came and worshipped him. Master, my daughter's vexed with the devil. Jesus said, Am I supposed to give food from my children's table and give it to the dogs? She was a Gentile. It wasn't Gentile's time for a miracle or for salvation. He had come to the household of Israel. He did not come to the Gentile at this point. He had come to the household. And she said, Yet the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Grace had not been seen at this point. Grace had not been given to the Gentiles at this point. But her faith, when she said, even the dogs get the crumbs, caused the master to reach around Calvary and grab a little grace and say, I'm going to give you a miracle. Anybody, anytime, anywhere, it don't matter. God's got what they need. If we can give what God has given to us, to this world. There was no room. No room. I don't have the answers to growing a great church. I'll tell you that right now. All I know to do is work, pray, and preach, and love. That's all I know to do. I wish I could tell you. Man, there's six points to growth. I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is, you gotta have a burden for where you are. And you gotta love people no matter what. And you gotta preach the word without compromise. And you gotta believe what you preach with everything inside of you. And you gotta be so unselfish that it hurts sometimes. But if you wanna grow a church, I'm not talking about just a number. I'm talking about a church. You're gonna have to preach to anybody, anywhere, at any time. 
Jesus was in the house and it was full. And four men saw one of their friends, maybe, sick of the palsy. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed. He, he was unable to move, unable to respond, unable to, to do anything. He was just paralyzed. And four men, thank God for four men. Four men in the church, if you please. Four men that believed the message of Jesus Christ so much that they said if we can get him where he's at, man, something to transform his life. If we can get, man, if we really believe this message, if we really believe this message, if we really believe this message, I don't care how many teeth they don't have in their mouth because of crystal myth. I don't care how frail they are, how ugly they are, how dirty they are. If I can just get them in the presence of Jesus, when you believe the word of God, you believe he can do anything. He can do anything to anybody at any time. When you really believe, man, you're not going to walk by somebody and say, hey, they don't believe like me. Hey, they're not like me. Hey, I don't know how they got there. But when you really believe the Word of God, you believe it can help anybody. You believe it can touch anybody. And you believe it can trans. When you really believe the Word of God. Now, hey, 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 we believe in holiness. We believe in praise. We believe in praise. But if we really believe in the Word of God, we believe it will affect anybody at any time. Matthew 8, 6 said this man was grievously tormented. This man spoke of a crippled generation that we live in. No feeling, no sensitivity. And you know what? That you think this is just good preaching material. No ability to move, powerless, unable to function. But man, every sinner I deal with is that. They're paralyzed. Unable to move. They're unsensitive to their family, unsensitive to God. They're in a paralytic state in their spirit. Man, they come to church and they stare. I've got chemical dependency classes. And we've got teachers that work with people like this all the time. And man, they come into church and sometimes they just stare. And it's hard to get them to wake up and come alive and to move to an altar. And then you got sinners coming in. And you can't say, man, can, will they ever move? Will they ever come to an altar? Are they ever going to, hey, all I know is I gotta keep preaching. I gotta keep working with them. This is the spirit of the generation that we're living in. It ain't time to give up. It ain't time to quit. It ain't time to shut up. It's time to get more fervent. holy aggression get a hold of us and me say hey I don't care what anybody says I don't care what anybody does I'm going to reach and I'm going to preach and I'm going to work I'm going to give I wish somebody just shout right now clap your hands man tells me of the generation I'm living in. Sin is the crippler. Sin takes away sensitivity to God. You still, you could preach a message on sin. Mad people would weep and cry. I'm telling you the last four weeks I've been preaching on repentance. Man, sinners coming in hard. And just in the last two weeks, I've seen them start breaking and weeping and crying. And somebody may say, hey, when are you going to quit preaching repentance? When it quits working, I'm going to keep preaching it till it works. They need to know they're in sin. And they got to get rid of the sin because the Messiah is one to come in. 
They're overwhelmed by guilt and shame. But there's a name. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's a name. Send the leprosy of the soul. And four men said, we're going to take him to Jesus. Four men said, our friend is unable to get to Jesus. We're going to take him to Jesus. You know, a man got hit by a car the other day in Louisville. And man, the car hit him, knocked him over to the corner. The car went on by. And the man laid there for 15 minutes before anybody come and got involved with his accident. Nobody wants to get involved anymore. We're afraid of lawsuits and we're afraid of this and we're afraid of that. But that spirit's getting a hold of some folks in the church. Well, you know, they come to our church. Used to when a sinner came to church. Man, the first time I came to church, my aunt was off that organ. She was back there saying, you need to get to the altar. You need to get to an altar. But now you don't see people doing that a lot. You don't see people trying to get them to the altar anymore. Hey, friend, this altar is where everybody is equal. This altar is where everybody is the same. There's no big E, e big eyes and little use. There's no black or white. Everybody is the same. This altar is where I die after sin. This altar is when I get rid of my burden. Four men said we're going to get him to Jesus. We're going to get him to Jesus. And they pick him up. And they carry him to the front door. But no, the door is full. People backing out. Coming out the door. The door is full. And man, human reasoning, they reasoned. Let me talk to you about another spirit that's fighting us. Human reasoning. It affects our faith. Human reasoning said, hey boys, man, you've tried. Take him back. Put him where you got him. And just leave him be. You tried. You tried. You did pretty good, Brother Worthen. Man, you tried. Just take him back. But one of those guys said, oh no. Man, I just feel like if I can get him to Jesus. And they said, let's try the back door maybe. And they went around the back door. And the back door was full. And reasoning shouted out, it's enough. You've tried enough. You've given enough effort. It ain't going to happen today. And another man said, well, let's look at the windows and see if we can get him in the windows. And when they got to the windows and they couldn't get him in the windows, human reasoning said, human reasoning said, human reasoning, that which keeps you in the norm, that which will not allow you to stretch out and reach beyond the norm, human reasoning, that which imprisons your faith, human reasoning will not let you have revival, human reasoning will not give you great growth, you've got to say to human reasoning, now I'm going to try to win the And the wind is full. Reasoning says, well boys, too bad. It's too bad. This is where I'm trying to get in my church. There's times when we have church. And man, we're, there's sinners coming in. And our praise kind of takes a hit. Every spirit in hell is coming in with those people. And it affects the praise of our people sometimes. So I teach my people, you've got to combat that spirit. Your praise don't need to diminish. It needs to increase. You've got to combat the spirit. So if a spirit comes in to try to hinder a move of God, then you've got that much more praise and worship and pray. Even when you don't feel like it. When you feel suppressed by the spirits that have come in. You've got to make yourself lift a hand. You've got to make yourself speak out and shout out praise. Because it's a battle of spirits that's going on. And when those spirits come in, they come in like a flood. So we've got to lift up a name that's above every name. 
when you can praise and get your liberty in the midst of devils that are fighting sinners around you, that's when you're going to see a breakthrough of God. Human reasoning tells us so. These sinners are there. Man, we got to calm down. Human reasoning says, man, we don't act like that when visitors are here. Human reasoning begins to rob us of our faith for the pixler. And it's faith that God responds to. He don't respond to our programs. He responds to our faith. So the man said, we can't go through the front door, can't get in the back door, can't get through the window. And reasoning says, well, you've tried. Man, you've gone above and beyond the call of good duty. And some of those men may have said, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know that there's a healer and a savior in that house. And we know this man has a need. So we've got to get him in. There is no other option but to get him in the house. So they take their faith to another level. Something that had never been done before. Out of all the records of miracles that took place, those we have and those we've never seen. I don't know if it's ever been recorded where four men had take the roof off the house to get a man in for healing and salvation. But their faith said, their faith said, what do you do, man? <laughs> Human reasoning says you need to back up on that holiness preaching a little bit. You may lose some folks. Well, I fear it this way. If I teach and preach and love and I lose them, then it was a God thing. If I preach and teach it and love and they get upset, which I've never seen too many people do that in my day. But man, when you teach it and you preach it in love, and they say, I don't want that, Pastor, you know that's not Bible and all that junk. And they walk out and I just figure, you know what, that must be a God thing. But I tell you what, if I hold on to what I believe, and if I preach the Word of God, that's what's going to build my church. Just a few people who pays a few little tithe, that's not going to build my church. What's going to build my church is the message that I preach with conviction. Four men said, I believe he's a healer. I believe he's a savior. I believe he's a healer. Supernatural. Supernatural. Man, we can't walk away from the supernatural. I know some men are afraid of it. They're afraid of wildfire. Man, I, you can't be afraid of the supernatural. There's two elements of salvation. The first element is the supernatural of God. When God gives us what we can't give ourselves. When God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, when God saves us and the supernatural power He gives us in the Holy Ghost to help us overcome flesh, to help us overcome the world, and to help us reach our city and our world with evangelism, that's the supernatural element. But the other element is the human element. The human element that says, I will believe. The human element that says, I will obey. The human element that says I will not quit I will not give up I will not shut up I will not back up but until I pray up and I stay up and I lift up my hands to God I'm not going to live over I'm not going to turn over and quit I'm not going to let the world overcome me but I'm going to be saved by the grace of God Somewhere in the course of time, your faith and your effort is going to see you through every problem of life. Yeah. 
I take it to another level. Faith always conquers the objection of reason. If you can just believe. If you can just believe. The Bible said when they put that man down, that Jesus didn't see his faith. He saw their faith. Did you ever want something so bad that you didn't care what you had to do? He was going to do it to get God's attention. Our faith must be visible. In other words, you believe in revival. Don't you, Brother Worthen? Come here, I'm going to sacrifice you. You believe in revival. And I've seen you in camps. Man, you preach. I mean, you don't preach, but I don't guess you preach. But you dance, you worship, believing that God's got great things in store. Man, you take your faith to another level. But when there's no camps around. When mom and dad's not around. What do you do then about this revival that God's called you? What do you do then? Do you climb to the roof? Do you take your faith to another level? What about your youth group? What are they seeing you? Do they see you just as a man that will stop at the front door or the back door or the window? Are they going to see you as one who will say, Hey, God said it. I believe it. Man, the need is here. God is able. We're going to go through the roof. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm having a hard time getting it in my mind clear. But I guess I just need to say it plain. If you want revival, revival's not all supernatural. Somebody said, I'm waiting on revival. I'm waiting on revival. I'm waiting on revival. I'm waiting on revival. I'm waiting to be revived. I'll tell you how to get revived. Get up off your seat right now. Lift your hands and make up your mind. You're going to worship God until you feel something holy come all over you. Until you feel a change in your spirit. Until you feel chains fall off. Until you feel the prison door open up. That's how you get revival. It's not all about about God coming in and doing a supernatural work. A lot of times, it's about your faith and your effort. And when God sees your faith, and when God sees your faith, when God sees your faith, when God sees your faith, faith, I'm not going to quit. When God sees your faith, it's not just a one-time deal. Folks, you've got you've to know. You've got to believe this. It's got to get in the fiber of your spirit. When God sees their faith, I'll tell you how God sees our faith. Every Bible study you teach, God sees your faith. Every message you preach, Pastor, God sees your faith. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. How many Sunday school teachers do I have here tonight? Won't you stand up real quick, Sunday school teachers? Anywhere, everywhere. When God sees you teach them kids every Sunday morning, when He sees your faith, when He sees your faith, There's a supernatural work coming. There's a miracle coming of salvation and healing. When God sees your faith, is there any nursing home workers here? Won't you stand up quick every time you teach those poor folks in that nursing home? When God sees your faith, man, you're opening the door for salvation and for the supernatural. We can get up here and preach about the supernatural works of God all we want to. But all we've got to do is start manifesting our faith. We've got to start manifesting our faith. That's what folk, that's what promotes God. That's what brings God in the situation is when our faith is made visible by actions. Every jail service you preach and go to and drive 30, 40, 50 miles to get to it, to pray with prisoners. I'm telling you, when God sees your faith, 
two or three will be baptized every week. Somebody's going to get the family back together. Every time you go on a bus route and pick up a child, God sees that faith. God sees that faith. That's tearing the, the roof off. That's dropping them in. God sees that faith. You've gone above and beyond the call of duty. That's going to open up the supernatural. That's going to open up salvation and going to open up the supernatural works of healing. When God sees you fast, every day you fast, every time you pray, God sees your faith. And when they lowered him, everybody was expecting him to say, Be thou healed. But he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. When their faith was made visible, Jesus gave them an invisible answer. And the scribes and the Pharisees said, Well, anybody can say, Your sins be forgiven because we can't see that. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you something. Sunrise, take up your bed and walk. He said, I'm going to have to give a visible sign for their true invisible miracle. The true miracle. Folks, the true miracle, man, to a soul, is not whether or not God can heal cancer. It's not whether or not God, and I believe in that. I've seen that. But the true miracle, it's not in the healing of the body, but it's in the healing of the soul. That's what we ought to rejoice about, is their soul can be healed. And the reward of great faith, great faith, great effort is when the master steps into our church services. And he starts forgiving the sinner. And angels begin to rejoice. Man, can we lift our hands just Effort, Brother Uzzle, the effort that I give to my church, to the souls, to the Bible studies I teach, it's not contingent on what a man thinks of my effort. I heard Brother Bo tell a story one time. He said there was a man, he was a concert pianist. He was in front of a group of several thousand people. And his piano was facing to where there was a balcony for the important people. And there his lifelong mentor was sitting that night to hear his concert. After the first song, people were standing to their feet. They were clapping, screaming encore. And he looked up in that balcony and his mentor just sat there. So he played again. This time a little bit more feverishly. And when he was done, the people, the crowd began to shout and scream. Encore, calling his name. And he looked up in that balcony and his mentor was there with his arms crossed. No expression. Finally, he played another song, and this time he was all over that keyboard. Sweat was flying off of him. And when he got done, people were screaming almost in a fit. Encore, encore. And he looked up in that balcony, and his mentor still never moved. So he went back into a rendition, the second part of that song. This time, man, he, he went after it. Sweat just pouring off of him profusely. And his hands were red from hitting the keys. And 
it was done, people were going crazy, just unbelievable performance. And he looked up in that balcony. And finally his mentor stood to his feet and folded his arms. Clapped his hands. And then the man was satisfied with his performance. The moral of the story is this. We can say we're giving it our best effort. But there's only one who truly knows what our best effort is. Had a lady in our church pray through a couple of weeks ago. She started out in a Mormon church. She was really messed up in their doctrine. And uh, she got to where she was baptized. And man, she turned, she just started dressing the part, looking the part. But man, she'd come to that altar and she'd speak in tongues every time she was there. But man, she never claimed the Holy Ghost. And I thought, you know, at least she ought to claim what she's got, you know. But man, I, I just don't, I can't tell somebody, man, you got it. I can't do that. We've come out of an era where we were so concerned about people mumbling in tongues a little bit that we told them they had the spirit when they didn't have nothing of the sort. And now we've raised up a generation, folks. I hope I can preach like this. We've raised up a generation that don't want to live holy because they've never really truly had the Holy Ghost. So I said, Sister Jewel, I said, how you feel tonight? Pastor, God touched me, but I want more. I said, okay. Man, our saints get around and they just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Man, they give it everything they got, you know. And she'd say, I'm afraid I'm going to wear them out, brother. I said, you're going to wear these people out. <laughs> She's praying. It's probably good for them. <laughs> just keep on praying. Finally, man, after a year and a half, she came up last Sunday night. And man, she was praying. And man, she had stamp, stammering lips. And all of a sudden, man, she starts speaking in tongues. And the next thing you know, man, she spun around like a top, fell back in the floor. Man, for 45 minutes talking in tongues. When she came to, she said, where am I? I said, you're on the floor. She said, how'd I get here? I said, the Holy Ghost. She said, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm telling you, there's a reward. There's a reward. I don't want just a, I don't want just a similitude of revival. I want revival. I want revival to be seen in my effort. And I want revival to be seen in my faith. Somebody ought to leave here saying, I got it. I got it. I got chains off my hands. I got my prison door opened up. I got my victory. Sometimes you can't do it by yourself. And David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us. Let us. Man, I believe if we can give God some high praise, if we can believe in Him. My, my, my brother, please listen to me. Man, if you really believe... Folks, if you really believe He's a healer, and if you really believe He's a Savior, then every sinner in here tonight ought to have somebody holding on to their hand. Every sinner in here tonight ought to have somebody ready to pray with them. Every person here tonight that's sick ought to have somebody ready to lay their hand on your shoulder praying for you because the reward of great effort is somebody's going to get saved and somebody's going to get healed and somebody's going to touch the supernatural of God. And David said, Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt.
Where are you going to go tonight? In our worship, in our prayers, in this altar, where are we going to go? A lot of times we get to this altar, we pray a little bit till we feel like it suffices the pastor or it suffices the presence of God or till we feel like our conscience is eased. But if you really believe, man, you're going to pray until something breaks in your spirit. If I get out of line, just straighten me up. Pastor, I've been struggling with this. I just can't, just can't get away from it. Pray for me. I want to tell you something. Please don't think I'm, un- I'm cruel. But sometimes you just do that to get a little sympathy. Letting the pastor know you've got a problem. And if it gets bigger, you can say, well, I told him. When in actuality, you didn't tell him nothing. And you think the pastor's got to somehow pray that thing off of you. That's not how it happens. Man, if you've got something locking you up, it's your obligation to get to an altar. Come on, folks. It's your obligation. If you're locked up tonight, it ain't your pastor's fault. It's because you don't believe that Jesus is in the house ready to give you salvation and forgiveness and healing. You've got to bring faith and your effort together. Make your faith visible. Take hold of somebody's hand. Look over at them. Look them in the eye. And say, I'm ready to go to the roof. I'm ready to tear off some shingles. I want God to move in this house. I want forgiveness to be given. And I want healing to be wrought. Lift that hand in the air. Close your eyes and your voice. Lift it up as high as you can lift it. Come on. It ain't time to be prissy. It ain't time to be pretty. It's time to be hungry. It's time to have faith. I'm going to have revival because I'm going to go to the roof. If I got to go to the roof, I'm going to go to the roof. I'm going to have a move of God. If I've got to take it to the roof, I'll take it to the roof. My praise will get higher. My worship will be more sacrificial. I'm going to take it to the roof. song last night man I believe you ought to take that same person by the hand step out of your chair man I wish you just obey what I'm telling you I really feel like God's wanting to do something right now just step out of your chair everybody get in an aisle somewhere come on your reasoning says I'm too old to do this your reasoning says I don't got to do this to get a miracle. Your reasoning's trying to hold you back. It's trying to keep you locked up in the shoebox of your own mind. Your reason—you need to tell your reasoning. My faith is going to overcome your objection. 
It's time to rejoice. It's time to claim it. It's time to take it to the roof. It's time to pray. It's time to repent. 